all things New Orleans Saints. This is Who Dat Discussion. Powered by Overtime Media. What is up, Who Dat Nation? Welcome into another training camp edition here at the Who Dat Discussion. As always, I'm your host, Andrew Galata. You can follow me on Twitter at Andrew Galata. And then also, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at the Who Dat Dis. We have a very jam-packed, interesting episode in store for you guys today. We're going to start off with some news as the Saints announced yesterday that they're going to have no fans for at least the home opener against the Bucks. And then also, we're going to talk about our 53-man roster prediction here, our first one. And this is going to be for the offense, so we're going to look at all of the offense, kind of look at all the positions, which guys will make the 53-man cut here, and that's going to be a great conversation. There are a few guys that, like, I'd switch in and out, and it's going to be interesting once training camp or, like, the actual padded practices start. That's going to be very interesting to see how it all plays out. There are a lot of wild cards. You wouldn't think that, but especially lower in the roster, there's a lot of different ways that the Saints can go, and I'm just very interested to see how that all pans out there, but... I think we're going to start with our news segment here where it was just announced yesterday that the Saints are going to have no fans for at least their first game of the 2020 season against the Bucs. That's their home opener. That's Tom Brady's first game as a Buck. And look, my opinion on this as a Saints fan is that really I'm devastated that there are no fans. Obviously, I understand why there's no fans. But you would have loved to see that just jolt of energy in the Superdome. I think anyone would. Like, if you're a Saints fan, you definitely love that home field advantage that the Saints give. Now, obviously, this year is extenuating circumstances. And that's why we can't have fans, at least to start off here, because obviously of COVID-19. And at that point, you have to accept it and be like, look, this Saints team, these guys that are going to make the team, this is probably going to be their best roster ever. Ever. So you're hoping that they can be anybody on a neutral field, because that's what it's going to be. At the Superdome, it's going to be a neutral field. Week two against the Raiders in Las Vegas, they're going to open up their new stadium. It's going to be a neutral field because there's no fans. So really, the better team, like there's no advantages there. So you're thinking the better team's going to win. And in that scenario, I think the Saints are a better team a lot more often than they're not. And that's why I don't think it matters if there are fans in the Superdome or if they're not. I would love to see them. And it's something that I think as a Saints fan, you're kind of proud of, like that Huda Nation that we get really loud, loudest dome in the league. And it's like just one of the hardest places to play as a visiting player. Like everyone says it and you get proud. Like as a Saints fan and going to a game, I can now attest this as I went to a game back in 2018 and even on the TV, like you're proud. Like, look, we have an amazing atmosphere at games and nobody wants to come into the Superdome because of the fans. And that just, to me, gives a lot of pride. But with this Saints team, how it's built, how deep it is, I don't think it matters where they play. They can play on the moon for all I care. They're going to win because they are a good football team. And that's why I don't think this matters. And to me, when looking at what the Saints have done and what they've built here, not having fans, look, does it hurt a little bit? Yeah, it probably does because the Saints definitely feed off that energy. But what they built here is one of the best rosters in the NFL And at the end of the day, no matter where you play, it's going to show. And this team is just veteran-type players, obviously pairing with some younger players as well, some electric players. It's just a perfect pairing. And as I said, I don't think it matters where the Saints team plays. It's going to be a neutral site. And I think 
any neutral site, let's just say there are no fans in 2020 for the NFL. So the Saints technically don't have a home field advantage, but they also don't get hurt on the road when they got to go places. So that's also something you have to think about. So if you played 16 games on a neutral field, how many do you think the Saints would win? And to me, I think it would be the same amount as if they play on the road or at home. I just think that that's the type of team they are. They're a really good road team. They're a really good home team. They're a good all-around team. So to me, when looking at this news, yeah, it stinks. But at the end of the day, Saints fans know that this 2020 team here that Mickey Loomis, Sean Payton has built is one of the best in the league. And that's no doubts there. And that's how I feel point of view from a fan. Now, to me, a point of view of a player to me is probably really similar. And I definitely want to give you the point of view from a few players straight from their mouth. So here's Marcus Williams and also Jared Cook on starting the season here in the home opener against the Buccaneers without any fans. I mean, you know, we love to have the fans out there. You know, the fans give us energy in life. But, you know, um, due to this pandemic and all that stuff, it's unfortunate that they can't be out there. But uh, we still have to do our job regardless if we have fans or no fans. But uh, we will love them out there. But if they can, we still got to go out there and do our job. Uh, I definitely think it's a bummer. Uh, fans motivate us. Uh, having people in, in the stands, uh, crowd control, they influence the way the game goes. They influence snap counts, uh, influence and motivates defense and make it loud and harder for opposing offenses when they're in the building. Um, so I think, you know, it's going to definitely be different and it's going to take some getting used to. You're definitely going to be able to hear all the calls from both uh, quarterbacks, ours and theirs, and opposing uh, offenses, and calls from the defense as well. So um, it's definitely going to take some getting used to. So really two great quotes there from two obviously very important Saints players. And I really love what Marcus Williams said. He basically said, look, we'd love to have fans. We love their energy. And it's unfortunate that they can't be there, but we still got to do our job. And at the end of the day, that's what it is. And I feel like that's what the Saints motto has been. Like, obviously, there's been a lot of stuff. There's been a lot of noise here. And we just have to focus in on winning the Super Bowl because it's Super Bowl or bust. And it's been plain and simple from whoever you're talking about. I don't care if it was either Cameron Jordan or Tyron Armstead, Marcus Williams, Drew Brees, really Michael Thomas too, Alvin Kamara as well. It's just everybody saying like, look, we got to do our jobs. We got to win. We got to get better. And it's really no excuses. And to me, I love that. They are taking 100% accountability for their play. And they're basically like, look, we have one of the best rosters in the NFL. And it's go time. It's time to win a Super Bowl. And fans won't stop that. Like, if you're one of the best teams in the league, you're one of the best teams in the league. And that's it. And I do think that a team like the Saints, a veteran team, a team that's had a lot of continuity, will really fare well in this season. And that's what I'm really expecting. This season bodes well for the Saints. It just does. First of all, the Saints have a lot of continuity, so losing a mini camp to me isn't as big as like Tom Brady missing a mini camp, and he's got to obviously learn a whole new offense, and that's going to be very difficult for him. Then also, the Saints have a kind of a lot of veteran players, and especially in a season like this where there's no fans, and look, everyone's used to playing with fans, but at least you like with veterans, with a really good coaching staff, you would just have that regimented ability to just like lock in. We're here to win, and I think that could really help. Like a veteran team just just has the right mindset coming in. Those are the teams that are going to win, and I think the Saints are one of those teams. And that's just my opinion on it. Maybe you agree with me, maybe you don't, 
But as much as it will hurt not to have the fans in the stadium, but I don't think it will matter as much as some people are saying. I don't think this is like Super Bowl altering because let's just say nobody has fans. So everyone's kind of on that even playing field, neutral site. Really, that's what it is at this point. It's a neutral site. Obviously, the away team's got to travel, but there's no fans. So it's basically just neutral. Everyone's going to hear each other. And at that point, you're thinking the best teams are going to win, especially in the playoffs. Let's say there are no fans for the playoffs. And it's really the home field advantage is gone. So you're thinking the best teams are going to win. So maybe if you don't get that one seed and you don't get that home field advantage, maybe the other seeds have a better chance at winning just because there isn't home field advantage. And really, you're going to get the best teams are going to win. Obviously, that one seed has the bye. And I think that's probably even more important than home field advantage. That bye is huge because they're the only team in the conference that gets that bye. So that just makes it even more big. It just magnifies it even more. And I think that's going to probably be the deciding factor here. And I've been saying it for a while. If the Saints get that one seed, I think they're going to the Super Bowl. If they don't get that one seed, you're playing an uphill battle. And I don't care if they're fans or no fans. Just because, look, I I told you just a few minutes ago, I don't think it really matters where the Saints play. I I think definitely you get an advantage when playing at home. But I trust them to win games consistently on the road as well. I mean, you're looking at these last couple seasons. Like, they've been very, very good on the road. Like, just as good as they have been at home. So to me, I'm not worried with the Saints going on the road here, especially in a playoff game. Like, I'm not as worried as I was in the past. And now with no fans, I don't think it really matters. Like, if even there were fans, I think the Saints, their level of play, their veteran roster, like, you can put them on a high school field. I think they're going to play really well. That's just my opinion with it. Now, I don't know if you guys agree, but I think that this Saints team, I, I don't think it matters if there are fans, no fans. I think they're just built to win. And at the end of the day, that's what you love to hear. They are built to win. And as much as I think they would love to hear the Houdat Nation and they love to get that electricity, and I do think that it helps them, but if they don't get that electricity, I don't think it's going to hurt them a, a ton. I think some other teams in the past, it would. Yeah, I think it would a lot. But I think now, with this team, the way it's built, it's built to win anywhere. It's built to win, as I said, on the moon. It's built to win in the Superdome. It's built to win in Lambeau. It's built to win anywhere. So that's just my full f- feeling about this. As much as it hurts to have no fans for this first game and potentially longer, I'm just really excited to see some football. And the Saints should be one of the better teams here in the entire NFL. So I think it's just all systems go for this team. And honestly, I just can't wait to see them play against the Bucks and show everybody what this 2020 Saints team has here going into the season. But before we get into our talk about the Saints 53-man roster and the offense in which offensive players will make the roster, we are going to take a quick break. You are listening to the Houdat Discussion Podcast. Welcome back into the Houdat Discussion. Now we're going to get into our next segment here as we're going to project the Saints 53-man roster for the offense here. And I think we're just going to jump right into it here, starting off with the quarterbacks. So three quarterbacks here are the easy ones, right? Drew Brees, Jameis Winston, Taysom Hill. We all know they're making the team. Starting off here with Drew Brees, obviously he's a guy coming here, easy starter, signed a two-year $50 million deal this offseason. This could be his last season, but the Saints signed him for two years just in case he wanted to come back again. I think he's still playing at extremely high level, top five QB. And we're going to slot him in here as the number one quarterback for sure. Next is Jameis Winston here. And Winston obviously signed with the Saints through free agency, one-year deal. It's just really to kind of learn behind Drew Brees, learn behind Sean Payton. And he's going to come in here just in case Brees gets hurt, like kind of playing the Teddy Bridgewater 
kind of role that the Saints needed last year because Breeze got hurt. So really, Winston's going to do the same thing here, and that's going to be his role. And it's going to allow the Saints to use Taysom Hill in other ways. The Saints signed Taysom Hill to an extension, two years, two years, $21 million. Next year in 2021, he's going to make $17 million. This year, he's only going to make $4 million. So definitely an interesting contract breakdown. We talked about it a ton, but really this first year, he's going to do that same role that he did kind of at the end of last season, kind of play tight ends, play special teams, do all that fun stuff. It just, it's just an outstanding player that could do so many different roles. And he's going to do that for the Saints this year. And let's say Drew Brees retires next year. He's going to come in here and compete for this starting job in 2021. If he doesn't win it, basically then he's a little of a pricey type player of doing the same stuff he's doing this year and what he did at the end of last season. But still really valuable to this team. And if he is a starting quarterback here in 2021, $17 million for a starting quarterback is very, very low. So to me, those three guys, it's in there. It is very, very good. And now everyone talks about the fourth quarterback that the Saints have, and that's Tommy Stevens. And to me, I'm going to really classify Stevens as a tight end here. And the Saints reclassified him as a tight end, so I'm going to talk about him in the tight end group. So I just wanted to kind of give you a heads up. So I think the three quarterbacks on the Saints roster all make the team here. So that's what I think what's going to happen here for the quarterbacks. The running backs, I think it's going to be Alvin Kamara, Latavius Murray, Ty Montgomery, and then also Michael Burton. And to me here, I think Kamara, obviously slam dunk. He's a guy that's coming off of that leg injury, that ankle injury. Just, I mean, there was all different parts of that injury. And he was just never really 100% last season. And I think that's why we saw a lot of his kind of downturns and why he wasn't as explosive. I think this year he's worked on strengthening those muscles. I think he's going to be a lot better and really ready to go. I think he's going to return to that 2018 level and probably actually surpass that. And he's going to take off from there. And I'm just really excited to see Kamara here and kind of return to that matrix mode, Kamara. And look, he said he's not focused on a contract. Right now, he's focused about playing really good. And then after the season, he's going to then worry about the contract. And I, and I thought that was the way he was going to go the whole time. That just seemed kind of for him the best way, especially coming off of kind of his worst year of his career. So usually you don't try to get your big extension off of your worst year. You want to get it off your best year. So you're kind of betting on yourself, hoping you have a big year, thinking you're going to have a big year here. You're hoping the Saints have a big year and you're a key part of that. And that's going to be really big. So that's what I'm expecting from Kamara here going into this contract season. I'm expecting, I think his best season yet. So that's what I think from Kamara. Then your second running back, Latavius Murray. I think he was great complimenting Kamara last season. I think when Kamara's out, he can do a really good job taking that main load. And I think that the Saints could give him the ball more. But if you see Kamara at that top level, you probably don't even need him to get the ball that much more. But I think that if the Saints need him to give the ball more, let's say Kamara's banged up, they want to take a little of the load off Kamara, definitely give the ball to Murray. He can do it. And especially in the games, like you can kind of see early when Murray's going to have a big game. He's running the ball really well. It just suits kind of certain defenses he's better against. And if you see that, you should, the Saints should go attack it with Murray. And if the Saints kind of see that Murray's just, this is the type of game that he's not going to go off, then you should probably lean on Kamara. And to me, they have a really kind of good connection here, just like Mark Ingram and Kamara did. I'm really not worried about these two going into next season. I think they're going to be one of the best two tandems here going into the NFL. And now we get to Ty Montgomery. And I think he's a guy that makes this team over Dwayne Washington because he can play special teams. He can run the football pretty well. 
and he could also catch the football really well. He can actually be a part of the offense when really Dwayne Washington was just a special teams player strictly when Montgomery could be a part of this offense as well. And that's why he makes the team over Dwayne Washington. He's an upgrade over Dwayne Washington. He could do a ton of different things. He can play receiver, could play the slot. He could also then catch screen passes and he can run the ball down your throat as well. Montgomery does so many different things at a pretty serviceable level. And I think he does a a couple of things at above average level. I think he's a guy that's really going to fit the Saints well. And one thing I do want to point out, he's been posting a lot of workout videos. A lot of them has been as a receiver. Some has run as well, but what's really, to me, those highlight plays that you see in those videos are as him as a receiver. So I think that the Saints are going to use him big time as a receiver. And I think that especially if you see Traquan Smith fall during the slot, I think you could see Montgomery come in there and really do a great job when Emmanuel Sanders is playing on the outside with Michael Thomas. So definitely look out for that. Or an injury happens or something, he could be a really valuable piece to the Saints. And I think they actually would benefit greatly by having him on the roster. And our fourth running back here, Michael Burton, is technically the fullback. The Saints always like to have a fullback. They're going to do a lot of different things with him. And I think he's a guy that can fill that role that Zach Line left after he retired. He's someone that's a serviceable player that the Saints can use in short yardage situations. Being the lead blocker, I think he could do all that stuff at a very, very high level. Moving over to the receivers, obviously, number one receiver on the Saints, number one receiver in the league, Michael Thomas, and then your number two, Emmanuel Sanders. So that combo is going to be amazing going into next season. Big acquisition for Sanders. Obviously, we've talked about that a ton as well. Your three right now is going to be Traquan Smith. Your four, I think, is going to be either Benny Fowler or Deontay Harris. But those, to me, are going to be interchangeable. So you're going to have Deontay Harris and Benny Fowler make this team. So those are the five receivers. And now this is interesting. So you usually keep six receivers. And I think that the Saints actually don't need to this year. And this is where I think Tommy Stevens could kind of get in on the roster. He's a guy that I think is actually more valuable than a possible six receiver of Emmanuel Butler, little Jordan Humphrey, Juwan Johnson, whoever it is, Marquise Callaway. I think that actually having Tommy Stevens on the roster kind of as your tight end quarterback, whatever you want to call him, because he's going to be kind of a Swiss Army knife guy, also special teams as well. If he learns how to block really well, he's a guy that can be just like Taysom Hill that blocks. I think he could actually be a little more valuable to the Saints team. Now, if they don't want to go that wild card route, I think little Jordan Humphrey would be my first pick because he's a good blocker. And I think that as your six, I would like a good blocker in there. Like the Saints had Krishana Hogan there last year. Also, they had little Jordan Humphrey. Like I like a blocker there as my six receiver. Emmanuel Butler is a guy that definitely has the most ball skills. But he's a guy that, again, we don't know his blocking skills are as good as little Jordan Humphrey. Maybe they got better. But I think maybe if you see Butler also be on special teams, also could block well, and then also is doing good things, high-pointing the ball, getting some more separation. I think maybe you see him make the team. But I think right now, I think Tommy Stevens, as a draft pick, as a guy that the Saints traded draft capital to go and get, I think he's a guy that will make this team. And I think it's really a virtue is that the Saints don't need six receivers because you have Ty Montgomery who is can act as a receiver, so he could be your six receiver. You have Taysom Hill who's lined up as a tight end receiver type guy. Jared Cook's a guy that could obviously receive the ball a ton. We know he's going to get the ball a lot. Alvin Kamara is another guy that's going to get the ball a lot. Like, you don't need six receivers. And I feel like a guy like Emmanuel Butler or little Jordan Humphrey have a better chance of making this practice squad than Tommy Stevens because I think someone will take him off the roster. Someone's going to say, let's say, whoever it is, they're going to say, we can make him Taysom Hill. So the Saints don't have two Taysom Hills. And they're just going to steal him. And I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. 
So if the Saints really wanted to protect Tommy Stevens and make him the next Taysom Hill for the Saints, they're going to have to probably put them on the roster now. And I think this is where you can do it because the Saints have a lot of other areas here that could also receive besides your wide receivers. Like the Saints have a running back that's going to get a lot of receptions. They have a tight end who's going to get a lot of receptions. They also have Adam Troutman who's going to be receiving threat as well. So you really don't need six receivers because you have a ton of receiving depth, even if it doesn't come at the wide receiver position. And I think even at that six receiver slot, the guys that are up for that spot, I think actually have a better chance at making the practice squad than Tommy Stevens, just because I don't think anyone's going to plunk them off the roster. And maybe you'll see Marquise Callaway or Juwan Johnson just pop off and do really well. But again, I really think that Tommy Stevens, this is the way he's going to get in, is by the Saints not having a six receiver. So that's what I think is going to happen. I think Tommy Stevens makes this slot in exchange for that six receiver role. So maybe he's your fourth tight end, obviously, in this scenario. Moving over to your tight ends, you have Jared Cook, Josh Hill, Adam Troutman, Tommy Stevens. And I think that's where you do that. Starting off with Jared Cook, coming off an amazing second half of last season. I think that he's going to pick up where he left off, has that repertoire with Drew Brees. And I'm just really excited to see what they can do here over a full season with full chemistry. So very excited for that. Josh Hill's a guy that's just always steady. He can make a big catch if you need him to. He's a guy that's a good blocker. And he's a guy that's going to help to me, Adam Troutman, a lot. Same with Jared Cook. Like both of those guys, you're having two veterans, Jared Cook and Josh Hill. There is going to really help Adam Troutman. And I think Troutman's a guy that I've been talking about him as Jimmy Graham in that 2010 season. Like a guy that had five touchdowns, definitely had a role on the team, but was just growing and getting better each season. Learned behind like Jeremy Shockey in Graham's case. And now Troutman's going to learn behind Jared Cook and obviously Josh Hill a little bit as well. And to me, I'm just very, very excited here to see what Troutman can do. Just progress over this year and the next season watch him explode. Or maybe it's two seasons, watch him explode. Like he is that type talent where he can be a really good tight end. And I'm just really excited to see it happen. And honestly, he's the future of this tight end room. He's going to be the future number one tight end. And I just can't wait to see him progress this year, next year. And over these next few years for the Saints, because he just has so many great intangibles and he's, to me, will improve every year. And he has that cerebral mindset where he used to play quarterback. He understands everything. I think he's a guy that's going to be a perfect fit in the Sean Payton offense. And I think the Saints are going to utilize him perfectly, not just this year, but also in future years as well. And that really wraps up our skill position quarterback. And when you're looking at this group so deep, You have your star players, you have a lot of depth role players, and there are a lot of guys that, to me, will make other NFL teams that didn't make this team. Just going to put it out there because looking at all these guys, they have contributed on other teams. If If they weren't rookies, then they contributed on their college teams. To me, these guys are just going to be really, really solid, just such a deep roster. You have your stars, you have your role players, as I said. I'm just very, very excited for this 2020 season. And to finish off this episode, we're going to talk about the O-line here. And I think there are going to be nine O-linemen that make it. I think it's going to be Taron Armstead, Andrews Pete, Cesar Ruiz, Eric McCoy, Ryan Ramchek, your starting five, your normal starting five. Your sixth man is Nick Easton there. I think he's a guy that did a really good job last year. And I think he's going to continue what he did just as a nice kind of plug and play type guy in the interior. Then I think James Hurst is going to make this team, even though he is suspended for the first four games. I think after his suspension, he will make this team. 
Then you have Patrick Omame, who I think is going to make this team, and also Will Clapp. And I say Patrick Omame, and a lot of people are like, well, why wouldn't you put Ethan Greenwich on the roster? And here's the thing for me. I wouldn't put Greenwich there because I think when the Saints had an injury, when Taron Armstead was out for a game, they started Omame. They started Omame in that tackle spot, not Greenwich. So that's what I feel like as you get more tackle depth, you would like to at least see players you're comfortable with actually playing. And I think Patrick Omame is that guy. I think Greenidge is a guy that could make your practice squad. I'd be surprised if any other team stole him away. So that's why I'm going to go Omame here. And I'd rather have the veteran presence, especially coming in. Let's say he had to come in after an injury. Much rather have the veteran there than a young player. And then I think Will Clapp here is a good last guy to have because it's really between him and Cameron Tom. I'll take Will Clapp over Tom as just right now because we saw what Will Clapp can do last year. We saw him progress. Tom coming off of an injury. We really don't know what we're going to get out of him right now until we put on the pads and see what's up here. So for now, I'm going to go Will Clapp. And that is going to then finish it off. Again, I think that the Saints, this offensive line is just so deep. Because your starting five is great. Probably one of the best in the NFL. Probably top three. You have Taron Armstead and Ryan Ramchek, the best tackle duo in the league. And so many people have said it. You have Ryan Ramchek, who is probably the best right tackle. You have Armstead, who's to me definitely in the top five of left tackles. Just really, really great there. At least top ten for Armstead there. That's amazing. You have Cesar Ruiz and McCoy, kind of your young players. Ruiz just looks like a great player coming out of Michigan in this year's draft. I think he's a can't-miss guy here on the O-line. You have Eric McCoy, who played great last season. I think he'll continue that play, if not get better, at the guard position, which is probably an easier position to play than center. It has, obviously, its own nuances, but I think when you put all of it together, the center has more responsibility, so you could definitely see McCoy kind of hone in his craft and get really good at the guard position. And then you have Andrews Pete at the left guard position, and he's a guy that actually got thinner, which I think is great. I think that's going to make him just more mobile, and like he already has... That strength factor, we know that that's not the issue. And really, the mo- mobility is not the issue either. But you're thinking just being more kind of fit and just more trim will help you. Maybe even with technique, it'll make you just feel better and kind of getting in the right positions. Being in the right state of mind is going to help really with everything. And if he's looking good here, if he's looking motivated, I-, I think even with him being in shape and trimming down, I think that just shows that he's really motivated. And he's in the right frame of mind here. And that means you're not just motivated with getting trimmed. You're motivated with fixing your technique as well. And you gave Andrews Pete that big contract. And look, I'm a guy that's skeptical of that big contract. Excuse me there. I probably wouldn't have given it to him. Saints do. And he's a guy that looks motivated. You had Larry Wofford come into last camp just a little overweight. So maybe he wasn't motivated. And that's why the Saints picked Pete over Wofford, which is very, very interesting. And if Pete could just make his play more consistent, he is going to be a great guard. It's yet to be seen. We're going to see if it happens, but him coming into shape is a really big step in the right direction. It shows that he's motivated even after getting the contract. All really great stuff here. Now, he obviously has to show it on the field, but from the early inklings here, it's all positivity from the Saints O-line. You have your depth with Nick Easton, who's good veteran depth. You have James Hurst after he comes off the suspension. He's going to be good depth, and I think that he can be a plug-and-play guy for at least a few games here on the offensive line. I think he's a guy that the Saints kind of looked at as kind of a Jermon Bushrod. When Bushrod came back, as kind of that backup tackle. I think Hurst can do a similar role there. Then you have Patrick Omame, who to me could be a plug-and-play type guy on 
the tackle and the guard as well, just for a few games. I think he could be successful there. I think he's an average player that at multiple positions is obviously really, really useful. Rather have him than a young tackle that really doesn't know the position yet, hasn't really grown into kind of the technique and everything yet. And you'd rather see him on a practice squad than taking up a spot on the 53-man roster. And then we'll collapse a guy that I think it's between him and Cameron Tom. And I think the Saints go clap because we saw him last year and we kind of saw him progress throughout the year. And Tom, we haven't seen him come off the injury yet. But I think this can easily change. Like if Tom outplays Clap here in these next three weeks, you'll see Tom make the team instead of Clap. So that's just where I'm at right now. It's just because we haven't seen Tom. I don't want to give him that roster spot just yet here. But that's going to wrap up the offense. A lot of positivity. A lot of really good players. A lot of great role players. A lot of great depth. I'm just really excited about this offense. And you're looking at these players that made the team here. You have 25 players. And all, to me, will really fill a role or maybe a depth spot, like if someone gets hurt, they can then jump into a roll. I think the Saints are in good shape. I think really, if any player goes down, let's say any player has a Drew Brees type injury. I don't care if it's Drew Brees, Alan Kamara, Michael Thomas, Tyron Armstead, Ryan Ramshack, Andrew Pete, whoever it is, I think the Saints can withstand it. That's, I think, how good their depth is. I think they can withstand it, and I think that it, they won't ruin their season. I think they'll probably have actually a winning record with these players in. If not, maybe if it's a five game, maybe they won't be 5-0, and maybe 4-1, and 3-2. Maybe even closer to 4-1, and one, I'm thinking, right now. But that's obviously a great place to be here. And honestly, I think it sky's the limit for the Saints offense. I think they're going to be a top three offense, maybe even higher. I'm very, very excited for the Saints offense going into 2020. But I think with all that said, it is time to wrap up this podcast. If you like what we're doing here at the Houdat Discussion, you should definitely follow us on all of our social media platforms. That means on Twitter, you can follow me personally at Andrew Galata, and you can follow the Houdat Discussion on Twitter at the Houdat Dis. On Instagram, you could also follow the Houdat Discussion at Houdat Discussion. And then also, you can listen to this podcast wherever you listen to all your other podcasts. That means iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and a lot more there. I thought this was a very interesting episode as we got to talk about the Saints not having fans in the first game here of the season, the home opener against the Bucks, and then also got to dive into the Saints 53-man roster here, projection by me. Just my first one. I'll probably do two here. We did the offense today. Next episode, we'll do the defense. And then probably like right before they go down to the cuts, probably like that last week of the padded practices after we've seen a few weeks, I'll give you an updated version here of the roster And just what I think, and then obviously we'll report to you once the Saints release their 53-man roster before their game against the Bucks, week one, September 13th. But I think with all that said, I wanted to say thank you guys for listening, run it back, and who dat?